0: www.grapecat.com. That's www.g-r-a-p-e-c-a-t.com. Grapecat is an online vegan retail store carrying all of your fashion needs from t shirts to coats and wallets to duffel bags and everything in between. Grapecat prides itself on carrying eco friendly and U.S. made merchandise. Thank you for dressing compassionately www.grapecat.com. Check them out today.
1: Hi, this is James Lucas, and this is a vegan fashion and business podcast.
0: Yeah, creating a vision, seeking a passion. Great Cat, compassion fashion, made in the US, eco-friendly, high quality without getting all spendy. We create the best bringing it to you. Shirts, coats, wallets, everything we do. Dress with compassion, we're a vegan store. Greatcat.com for more.
1: After a long search for my wife's asthma relief and a field trip to a farm animal rescue, a vegan lifestyle became clearly obvious for our family. With this choice we began connecting with other people in our community and started finding that there was a need for high quality animal and earth friendly products. This is where GrapeCat was born. We are meeting the need of ecologically conscious consumers with clothing and accessories for the whole family. If that's you, visit GrapeCat.com today. Hey, Grapecat! welcome to episode 10. On today's podcast, I talk to Kate Jacoby, owner of Veg and V Street. Kate talks about how and why she became vegan, the importance of having a mentor. She also has some tips on vegan travel. Here's Kate. How and why did you become vegan?
0: I had
2: sort of warmed up to the idea of vegetarianism throughout high school, I would say. I grew up eating everything. Um, I had one friend in high school whose family identified as vegetarian, and when I started spending time in that house, I started to really get interested in vegetarianism, and tried it for like a two-week period one year at New Year's, and it just was a little bit too challenging at the time. And then between my junior and senior year of high school, I went away and did a program at um, at Georgetown for five weeks, and I thought, hey, let me try this again. I'm away on my own. I'm eating in a cafeteria. Let me just vegetarian for five weeks it was so easy and I remember that last like intentional meat I ate was the day before that and it was like a chicken sandwich or something and um, at the end of the five weeks I was like well this is a no-brainer this has been super easy I would continue and then I guess flash forward uh, fast forward a year or two later and I went to college And I started to learn more, not just what a vegetarian diet meant, but to learn more what veganism meant. And instead of just killing the animals, I learned now the sort of torture that we all put these animals through to get the other animal byproducts. So it was really eye-opening to understand the shift and to make that commitment and want to try to get to that place where I could be vegan. And, you know, what originally slowed me down with vegetarianism, the whole where do you get your protein shifted to, where do you get your calcium? But I felt like I could handle all that. It wasn't daunting at all. I just sort of I I wanted to learn as much as I possibly could throw in the whole environmental impact and then learning more about human health. And it, it just made so much sense to me. It was frustrating that other people weren't jumping on the bandwagon as easily. I did find some people to build a community with. Uh, at college, and then also when I would come home and go and eat at Horizons Cafe in Willow Grove. So that made it a lot more approachable and uh, sustainable for me. Uh, But yeah, so basically it was like late high school, early college, kind of waking up, having this understanding of not just what it meant to be vegetarian, but what it meant to be vegan for animal rights reasons, and then also environmental and human health.
1: You started working at Horizons, right?
2: Yeah, so it was my favorite restaurant forever, And then right after college, I graduated in 2001 and I took a job there uh, as a host for what was supposed to just be the summer. So it was just supposed to be a few months, but I loved it so much that it eventually turned into much more.
1: And what is your role at Veg and V Street now?
2: So I've worn many hats over the years and I still have influence in all those areas. I'd say officially I'm the pastry chef at both restaurants, the executive pastry chef. Um, I'm also the general manager of v street i am a sommelier for both restaurants um, i'm the bookkeeper i am the sort of pr go-to person so yeah i wear a lot of hats i guess loosely now i might say that my focus is so broad and i'm working with a lot of our managers so i guess i would say i, I guess i hate i hesitate but i'd say i'm like the owner now so the owner kind of like who dabbles in all those areas but yeah so i'd say pastry chef and owner
1: and were you trained as a pastry chef?
2: No, not formally. Uh, I worked alongside of Rich for many years in, on the kitchen line in Horizons Cafe and also uh, at Horizons Cafe in Willow Grove and then also in our on our 7th Street location. But there was nothing when we were you know, getting started. Rich is completely self-taught and I would lump myself in with him. There are a lot of cookbooks that we would maybe turn to, some that we liked more than others, but in the early days there was really nothing. So we just kind of learned to develop our own palates for loving food and wanting to eat really well, traveling, speaking with other chefs, whether they're vegetarian or not, you know, like just trying to learn everything we could about cooking techniques and and, uh, different approaches to all different culinary traditions in the world.
1: And do you find that easier? Or do you wish you went to culinary school?
2: That's a great question. To an extent, I think it would be interesting to I I like structure. And I think I would have benefited from a culinary program because it would have maybe been, you know, in my mind, it would have been, here's the traditional techniques. Here's this, here's that here. I mean, knife skills, I'm fine. I don't worry about that. But especially with pastry, to have an understanding of all the tedious work that goes into pastry and to have that sort of like chemistry understanding of what does what, that probably would benefit me. But at the same time, there is no program that is really exclusively vegan and so thorough. And I could never go to a traditional or mainstream culinary program and handle all the animal products. So um, while it could have maybe benefited me, I've never thought about it.
1: And you have a certificate for dealing with the wine selection, right?
2: Yep. Um, so there are a lot of programs out there these days, but I signed up a couple years to g- ago to start with the Court of Master Sommeliers. Um, so it's a program that deals heavily uh, with the service side of the industry. Um, so in addition to learning viticulture and winemaking, you also focus heavily on how that plays out in the dining room and how to sell wine and talk about wine and train people. Um, so I got to the certification level. There's an intro certification Beyond that, there's um, advanced and master. I think I'm going to stick where I am.
1: What are some of the requirements you look for when you select a wine for the restaurant?
2: Uh, We work pretty exclusively with a few vendors or salespeople in Philadelphia. Pennsylvania is its own interesting situation. You're quite limited in what you can access. But we've been fortunate over the years to develop really good relationships with a couple people, and they fully understand what we're looking for. To me, my basic definition of vegan wine is wines that aren't fined or filtered with any animal products. When I first understood what that meant, I thought, oh my gosh, I can't believe so many wines are fined and filtered, clarified, um, with animal products like eggshells or egg white or Isinglass from fish bladders. Um, It was just really strange to think that was happening or that it was necessary at all. But I was able to sort of figure out the right questions to ask winemakers directly, because they didn't care about it being considered vegan. It was very rare that you'd find a winemaker who did. But I discovered this whole world of natural wine, which um, essentially are, are winemakers who are trying to let the grapes express themselves year after year and have their own unique flavor profiles. Um, they're not trying to make them taste like a certain thing, which is really refreshing because so many wines out there these days all kind of taste the same with huge tannins and high alcohol and lots of fruit. Natural winemakers tend not to finer filter their wines. They want, they're not afraid of a little sediment in there. And if they do, they might use a natural vegan product like um, clay which apparently does the same thing to attract the different sediments out of the wine. So that's what I look for.
1: What's the biggest lesson you've learned about running a restaurant?
2: One is I always tell people, especially with managers, I'm training them, I'll say, like, never ask someone to do something that you're not prepared and able to do yourself. To me, that means you've got to master everything in the restaurant, whether it's figuring out how to turn on the the dish machine and how to troubleshoot with it in the dish, you know, behind the kitchen understanding like how to organize your walk in understanding like how your table settings are an open table Uh, When you're taking reservations, feeling your way behind the bar and understanding like the pace of service, knowing your customers and interacting with them, following trends. So there's so many aspects, and I think that it's key to understand how it all comes together. You can focus on the big picture, but you really need all those little details along the way if you're going to pull it off seamlessly. And I guess the other thing I tell people is that it's a constantly evolving industry, and that's not just the food trends, but it's also the service and the space So I think one thing that's been really important for us to have done this for so long and to still try to keep things really exciting is to pay attention to the rest of the industry, um, to listen closely to your customers and, and to, you know, watch what other people are doing so that you can stay inspired. Uh, the last part I would say is that you've got to pace yourself. We have been doing this a long time, and it's so easy to burn out in this industry. But we've tried to carve out a really good quality of life for ourselves and for everybody who's working along with us. We want to make sure that we can all continue to show up for work each day and love what we do.
1: When you get a new employee, how long does it take for you to train them?
2: Um, with the front of house, I'll focus on that because I'm handling a lot of like front of house training. I would say... It takes approximately five days, spanned out over one and a half weeks. Um, We try to be very selective in who we bring on board, so depending on the position, these people I'm talking about are typically coming with a a really nice amount of experience, as well as a really great personality and work ethic. We have a very rigid training program, complete with orientations and lectures, materials, testing, Real-time experience observing, real-time experience helping, real-time experience shadowing and be, like, being shadowed by someone else. So it's very organized. And if we're bringing on the right people, it typically takes that time. I say it's spread out over about a week and a half because I like time in between for people to digest things. I don't want to just bring them in five days in a row and next week you're good. I always tell people the new server can't ever be like, oh, that's the new server. You know, they have to be just as good as anybody else who's been there.
1: What keeps you interested in running your restaurants?
2: 100% is in serving more people and turning them on to what we love. Uh, We've been very particular about our message over the years. Uh, Our mission for Rich and me is to run an amazing restaurant or combination of restaurants that just so happen to be vegan. We love this industry. But behind all of that and what we do every day, we're very committed to being able to present to the world a plant-based or vegan um, way of eating and way of living, and to try to make that really attractive. To us, that's the social reward that we get, and the more success that the restaurant has, the more people we're reaching, and the more people we're kind of turning on to this idea. I don't want to tell anybody how to eat. I don't want people telling me how to eat and how to live my life. But if I can give this easy, accessible, exciting, delicious example to more and more people, then I have this feeling that um, it'll just, you know, kind of turn the tide a little bit more and make it easier for more people to to go that direction.
1: What drives you mad about restaurants?
2: A couple things come to mind. Um, The easy one to point to is, interacting with people who just don't get it I guess from like a customer standpoint you know people who who don't understand how restaurants work and who maybe want you to do exactly what they want if that makes sense you know for example people who want you to have a smoothie on the menu just because they like vegetarian restaurants that have juices and smoothies you know um, or somebody that really wants you to open up for lunch or breakfast let's say when you're like well no we're doing dinner so that sort of thing is a bit frustrating and trying to explain why you do things a certain way. I guess maybe also the idea that like the restaurant industry, we're moving away from it, but in the past, I think the restaurant industry was looked at as such a transient thing that, you know, people would jump in and out of it and spend a couple years. But now I feel like in the past five years, especially it's become such a um, respectable career path, like truly a career path with lots of opportunity. And um, so that's a bit frustrating when you still get people who might approach it like it's, it's not as serious or uh, as legitimate as maybe like an, another industry.
1: What do you think is the number one reason restaurants fail?
2: Yeah, in the past five years, let's say if if the industry has been shifting, I think maybe some people uh, are looking at it like it's this amazing gold rush, like, oh, I can make so much money or I can become so famous. I think that. Some people get into it maybe for the wrong reasons, whether it's money or fame they're after, or they just think it's gonna come together easily for them. You there is a lot of work. And I said before, you should know everything about your restaurant and every aspect of operations. Um so I feel like some people kind of sidestep a few things. Also, they might trust the wrong people and lean on certain individuals maybe too much to an extent where they kind of fall short in certain areas and they don't even realize it. That would be my guess.
1: What's your key piece of advice on starting a restaurant?
2: It's helpful to think about what it is you want to do and try to do it to the best of your ability. In the first, let's say, year, get as much feedback as you can from people you trust. Try to listen to everybody, but really listen to people you trust. Get honest feedback as much as you can. Um, And then, you know, after that first year sort of fine tune be be flexible understand that maybe what you thought was going to be amazing actually shouldn't be on your menu and you need to focus on other things and i think that that gets you built well you know if you understand what your vision is and you give it your best shot and you're doing everything with quality as best you can getting a certain amount of feedback to understand that like maybe your vision isn't perfect you're like 90% there but you got to shift a few things around be a little bit flexible in the beginning If you really play your cards right early and you're organized, then as you move forward, I think you can start to really gain people's confidence and then do your own thing and really focus on what it is that you you love. You create your own brand that can get stronger and stronger over time.
1: Have you had a menu item that has failed that you thought was going to be good?
2: There's not one thing that would jump out like that. Well, there's one. I remember when we opened Veg, I got a, a cotton candy machine. And I wanted to have a cocktail that was going to be spun cotton candy in a glass that you poured the mixed drink on top of, and it would have the cotton candy like dissolve into it, and that would be the sugar component. I thought that was awesome. I ended up with a giant cotton candy machine that I never used. Um, that was fun trying to return that. But I think the the bigger point was like with both Veg and with V Street, you know, we opened with a certain menu, and certain things on the menu while they were delicious, they didn't quite have the sort of impact that we wanted them to and they maybe didn't best define the vision for the restaurant so within a couple months we started tweaking taking things away from the menu and like replacing them with something that made more sense see restaurants are funny when you want to open something you you can visualize it and imagine it as much as you want you can have an architectural drawing you can start to walk through the space but it isn't until the lights are on the candles are lit like the music's playing the guests are arriving that you really start to get a feel for the true identity of the restaurant. Um, And so once you have that, you can say like, ooh, you know, I have to change this or that. Um, A good example might be like the Dandan noodles when we first opened V Street. And they had that pickled, like pickled chili hot sauce on top. And it was like the spiciest thing anybody'd ever eaten. So, you know, we had to dial that back a little bit. You learn as you go.
1: What are a few resources you would recommend to someone looking to start a restaurant?
2: Um, I would probably try to develop a relationship with a restaurateur who you No trust a little bit. um, Try to whether they're you know even a vegetarian restaurant or not. not, Someone in the industry can be tremendously resourceful for you know finding. Information, finding who do you get your linens from, where do you get your produce, who who does your dishwasher, your glass washer, practical things like that. But then they can also be a good source for just sort of bonding or commiserating, like <laughs> like the good stuff and the bad stuff. Somebody who gets it and who can kind of maybe just offer some insight and, and shared perspective um, to help you get through any bumps that come up. So it's really nice to have a good friend, not a competitor, you know, but like somebody who, uh, you like their style and, and maybe you're not exactly the same as them, but somebody you can talk to honestly.
1: And do you have a mentor or someone that you look to when you you get stuck on a problem? Uh,
2: the person I was just thinking about in my mind is actually a good friend of, of rich in mine. Um, he was originally Rich's friend. Um, and he had a restaurant in, outside of, well in Philly a gigantic Mexican restaurant and when Rich was getting started with Horizons Cafe in Willow Grove he would sit at the bar there and the owner Bob would come out and they would talk and Rich was like well I'm getting up and running with my little place in Willow Grove serving you know a vegetarian menu and Bob would say oh wow you know I have this giant Mexican restaurant here's what I know and Rich would ask questions it was a really nice give and take relationship Rich learned a lot like where to get produce and who to you know use for linens and whatnot and Bob would say so tell me about this concept this vegetarian thing and eventually he put satan on the menu there and eventually he had all these vegan offerings so if you move forward they maintained a really nice relationship over time and um you know, Bob now, he had Azure in Northern Liberties, now has Interstate, and he's been able to like continue that tradition and have vegan menu offerings. In fact, we had our staff holiday party there back in December. So it was just a nice sort of symbiotic relationship where they could like help each other as they needed, as they grew in their own restaurant experience.
1: Who has had a tremendous impact on you?
2: Uh, <laughs> Well, one person who comes to mind is um, Carol Adams. She truly was someone who came to me at a pivotal moment in my life uh, studying sociology in college and, you know, having been someone who would have identified as a very strong feminist but someone who was also extremely interested in animal rights and someone who was very frustrated with the way the world works and how it should work in my mind. And I think she was able to link those two things for me and um, help shape my trajectory. I found the sexual politics of me to be extremely extremely like interesting and satisfying and, and just like connecting so many dots for me. So that's one person. God, there's so many more. Uh, in more recent years, I think Jean Bauer has been an amazing like just advocate with a different approach but shared mentality of we don't have to be perfect about this but we can improve and we can motivate people and if we have a positive message and we make something that's very attractive and easy for people to to shift their lifestyle then they'll do it so um those two people are the first maybe that jump out in my mind i guess the most practical one though is rich um i've cooked alongside of him i've learned so much from him over the years and obviously we're married uh we share a life together we travel together we have an eight-year-old son um who we adore together um but to be able to share a business with him and therefore like our career and our, our life's work is uh is a true pleasure.
1: And I saw you got some celebrity uh, jitters when Carol came into the restaurant.
2: Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, she was, I mean to me, I don't know, I guess I, I have my own celebrities that other people might easily point to too, but for me, I, I was just so grateful for the inspiration that she has provided me over the years. And uh, like I said, connecting the dots and just making, making it easier to exist in a world that has so many sort of hypocrisies happening, and just to try to get a better understanding. So, yeah, I was so grateful, so grateful to meet her. And and now she and I have a nice little, we're not like BFF or anything, but uh, we have a nice little relationship now. So.
1: Where do your great ideas come from?
2: I guess uh, we travel as much as we possibly can. We can't often get away for long periods of time. So our travel looks like, you know, three days in France or like six days in Hong Kong. like So we, we try to fit it in where we can. Sometimes it seems crazy, but travel, definitely. And when we're not on the ground somewhere or far away. We are reading about it. We are watching it online or in movies and things. We're talking to people, learning about their travel experiences. And I guess that also applies to, you know, in the U.S., just like kind of paying attention to really cool trends and how how does world cuisine affect us here in America. Um, L.A. is a great resource. So many cool restaurants there, whether they're doing ethnic food or a fusion of some different styles. Yeah, we're just kind of obsessive. And then we will cook at home all the time. We visit ethnic markets and bring home new ingredients and just kind of play around with them and figure out, like, well, what does this particular spice mean to us, you know? So.
1: What's your best advice for vegans who are afraid to travel?
2: Oh, uh, We're writing about this right now because we're doing the V Street Cookbook, and obviously there's a lot about travel in there. We're doing a whole section on, you know, a whole, like, writing tidbits on, like, well, what to do and what not to do. With the Internet, you can research as much as you can ahead of time. So there are going to be certain places where you can go and you can actually eat really well. Then there are other places where you're going to be hungry you know, so like pack some power bars with you. I think it, do your research ahead of time. And then we've also started really leaning on hotels. If you're staying at a, it doesn't have to be like some luxury concierge situation. If you get in touch with your hotel and you'll learn right away if they're helpful or not and tell them what you're looking for. And they, they're there on the ground. They know people, they're gonna find it out. And vegans are not unheard of these days. The vast majority of places that you'll visit, you can, figure out where where's gonna be friendly to you and you know, where are the little hole-in-the-wall places that will be a little bit maybe more difficult to access, but certain things you can ask for. We literally had someone in um, Seoul write down on a piece of paper uh, exactly what to just present to the restaurant when we got there. They told us how to get there, we got there, handed them the paper, and we had this amazing, it was like 18 course vegetarian tasting menu, Um, and it was one of, literally one of the best meals of our lives. So I think like milking that connection um, and, and working with whatever like hotel or somebody on the ground is this great resource
1: what's your favorite place you visited so far
2: uh, every couple of years my answer would change to that question I used to say um, Nicaragua and then I guess I would have jumped around like to Tokyo uh, we the most recent trip we took that was really like a big one epic food journey for us was to Morocco. We spent uh, a few nights in Marrakesh, and we were going because of V Street and our love of street food, and Jemaa um, El Fanat, I'm not saying that great, but uh, it's the one of the most like quintessential night markets in the world. It's gotta be, it's probably like number one, I would say. Our impression ahead of time of what Moroccan food was, so far off. We thought it was all like couscous with raisins and dates and all sweet things, um, and like cinnamon everywhere. Uh, it was actually much more like what we know indian food to be so a lot of like beautiful vegetables like in kind of lighter stews if you will with a lot of cooked in Herbs like you'd find in Greek cooking, but also fresh herbs on top. Almost every meal would begin with Moroccan salads, which were exclusively like vegan. I'm not even saying vegetarian. Like um, they use a little bit of argan oil and olive oil. But I mean, the vegetables were like beautiful, fresh and not cooked to death, like still really vibrant with flavor and color. And then the spices are so like bold and they're not all sweet spices, but you know, you could go to the markets and you see like just how gorgeous these spices are, how fresh and fragrant. And then there were the accents of, you know, like dates and beautiful pistachios, Um, but it was just like such an intense experience. And from a sommelier perspective, just like the fragrance of everything, uh, it was intoxicating is a great word for it. So that that was fabulous.
1: So are we going to see Moroccan food on V Street's menu soon or is it on there now?
2: Yeah, we've done like you know we'll we'll pull things in and we'll sort of interpret them um, whether they become a little literal interpretation or it's more just like that sort of the, okay we can work this spice rub into a marinade for like these carrots or this eggplant. There's there's definitely an influence for sure.
1: Where are you off to travel now? Uh,
2: We actually have tickets on hold to get to Tokyo. Um, We have to be very particular about how we can travel. Uh, We charge as much as we can for the businesses (laughs) so that we can get frequent flyer miles. And we have flights on hold to get to Tokyo. And after that, we're trying to line it up so that we can get to either Vietnam or Thailand. So back to Asia.
1: What has been your biggest struggle?
2: It's a tricky one. I guess you have like little bumps and things. There's not one thing that stands out like, oh, this is the hardest part of my job. Um, I guess one thing since we've been doing this a long time is just like adapting. Like I like adapting and shifting gears, but I guess also like sometimes you can get kind of cozy in certain things. And maybe that's what I'm aware of That Like every couple years, things that you thought you were doing great, you want to go back and revisit them and make sure that not only have you adapted and evolved as a restaurant, but like your own style should adapt over time too. So I guess, professionally speaking, that's something that every couple years I have to say, like, all right, well, should I organize myself a little bit differently? Should I work with my managers a little bit differently? How do I have to change the, you know, my, my plan for any given day to be more effective?
1: What has been your biggest victory?
2: I guess one of the sort of uh, the Academy Awards of the culinary industry are the James Beard Awards. So I'd I'd point to that. Rich and I were both nominated for James Beard Awards, me for National Pastry and Rich for Mid-Atlantic Best Chef. Last year, Rich actually made it to the finals. Um, So we actually went to Chicago for the James Beard Awards. So sitting in that room, it was really interesting. Alton Brown was the MC for the evening and his opening act, if you will, was this whole joke about bacon. And he hit one of the first lines of the entire event was him making this reference to like vegetarians actually really want to eat bacon, something like that. But Rich and I took it like, isn't this great? We've made it so far that we are sitting here and Rich's name is going to be called out and veg's, the name Veg restaurant is going to be up there on this screen for all these people in this industry. And whether he won or not that night, and he didn't, but he'll do it next time. All these people are taking us seriously. You know, I think that even 10 years ago, people still kind of made fun of what we were doing. And now it's like so exciting. And every other phone call, it's like, tell me about why plant-based food is so popular. What what is your impression on why vegetarianism is so trendy these days? And I'm like, it's not a trend, man. We've been doing this a long time. I'm glad you think it is. The James Beard recognition just kind of solidifies what we're doing as legitimate and respectable and forward. And it just it's it's tremendously satisfying.
1: Has there been a chef that you are surprised to see in your restaurant?
2: Oh, um. We've been so excited because, like, every Philly chef has been through, and that's not just, like, the big names like Jose Garces or Mark Vetchy or Michael Salomonov, but it's, like, really every serious chef, Greg Vernick and Jason Chachansky, and, I mean, the, the list goes on, um, Marcy and Val. Like, it's, it's really cool to have that connection to Philly chefs, and... Uh, I don't even think they necessarily think of this as like the vegan place they just love what we're doing with vegetables and then you can imagine that they're going back to their kitchens a lot of times they'll say to us like hey i i would love to cook for you and we'll say great like that's awesome what's on your menu that you recommend they might even say we'll do a tasting menu for you like that just happened at peter sorbico's restaurant so it's nice to have those philly relationships outside of that when rich was I guess getting ready to do Chopped. We had a couple interesting visits. One was Amanda Freitag, and that was pretty cool to have her in the restaurant. And of course, like the guys from Plant were up a couple weeks ago, and that was really neat just because they ordered the entire menu. And afterwards, I sat down and they had some to-go bags with them. But I uh, was chatting with them afterwards, so that's always nice. Like whether it's like a mainstream chef or you know like plant-based chef, it's it's always wonderful just to like talk shop.
1: (laughs) What are you grateful for?
2: Uh, Health. I guess it's easy to overlook that, but health um, and energy then to sort of tackle what we want to do to have our guests and our friends and customers over the years, like support us in such a way that has been um, really fulfilling. Obviously, it's like. Connecting with people and having them love it, but when they're showing up on a regular basis and bringing their friends and the business is successful, then that prepares us to do even more and more. And then having such an amazing staff, Um, and I don't use the word amazing lightly. I, every day, am so impressed by people's work ethic and their commitment to what we're doing not we, Rich and me, but all of us together to understand that we share this kind of mutual, yeah, we're going to work every day, we have to make a paycheck. But there's been a great connection with so many the people that we've worked with over the years, who get such a um, fulfillment from the work that we do. So I, I love that we have that extra level to connect on. It's not just a job, but we're all showing up every day and kind of loving to be in this together. So our, all kinds of people.
1: <laughs> that really starts with you guys and how professional you are and how driven you are I think that makes it easier to go to work for you you have one of the best restaurants in the world but you're also one of some of the best people in the world you're you're so friendly and you're so outgoing and you're so much fun to talk to that I think that makes a big difference for the people that work with you too
2: oh thanks I mean it's it's wonderful because it's such a diverse job you know like I see you at events um, and we, we were at DC veg Fest together like it's it's really cool to see this community right I mean you know like you're gonna run into some of the same people all the time and you develop these relationships over the years like we have and then you also see all these brand new faces so it's really um, I feel very fortunate to just be part of this and thank you for saying all those lovely things. <laughs>
1: Do you have any big plans for the fifth anniversary of Veg?
2: Yes, it's coming up, isn't it? It went fast. So Veg, I say, has reached its cruising altitude. You know, we just always we try to continue to improve what we're doing. And and I think the restaurant has has its identity now. And uh, we've got great people working there. V Street, celebrated one year so that also is kind of like come into its own and it's wonderful to have learned so much from those two. We are working on a couple different other restaurant concepts, some that would be showcased here first in Philadelphia and then we're also very interested in um, opening up a full-service restaurant in Washington DC. You know again it comes back to the people. We have a really great team of people working with us right now so we're kind of like talking to them and and making sure everybody's lined up to to take on any new projects. Nothing is in stone yet, but I think definitely before the end of the year, we'll we'll have more on our plate.
1: Is the DC restaurant gonna be a veg or a completely new restaurant?
2: Uh, It would be a new restaurant, probably with the stature and seriousness of veg, but with a little bit more of a, a culinary approach like v street and i say that more from uh, our perspective rich and i wouldn't be living there we'd be here in philadelphia so we would probably be there a lot whether together or we'll pass each other and give a little high five on the train (laughs) but we need to make sure that it has a a little bit more of a repertoire we change the menu all the time at veg and that's just because we can because we're here i think there might not be quite as many changes in dc we would want to make sure that it's as perfect as can be with as much control as possible built in so but it would be something new
1: and what is the best way for people to contact?
2: Uh, we'll come into the restaurant and have dinner. <laughs> um, but I guess email is always the best. Um, sometimes people will reach out with Facebook, but I'm not as good. I, I get on Facebook. I try to post things, but I don't, I'm don't. i not as good with Facebook messages. So if people want to, it's either info at vegrestaurant.com or info at vstreetfood.com. Those are both great ways.
1: Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you for listening to the Grapecat Vegan Fashion and Business Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, you can find the show notes at grapecat.com. Do us a favor before you go, please take a few seconds to rate this podcast. It is a key way to get this podcast higher in the ranks, which will make it more accessible to people who truly need this information. Thank you so much for taking the time to do that. Make sure you never miss a future episode of this podcast by subscribing. If you have any questions or guest ideas, please send them to podcast at grapecat.com. Thank you for dressing compassionately.
0: Creating a vision, seeking our passion. Great cat, compassion, fashion, made in the U.S., eco-friendly, high quality without getting all spendy. We create the best, bringing it to you. Shirts, coats, wallets, everything we do. Dress with compassion. We're a vegan store. Grapecat.com for more.